0: you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. So today I have a special guest, Sewa Ajay Pele, to join me. And we're going to talk about how to position yourself to start and grow your online business Despite what's happening right now with the pandemic. And Sewa is a business strategist who is all about helping people grow online businesses specifically. So, welcome, Sewa. I'm so excited to have you join me. And I'd love for you to tell everyone who you are and what you do.
1: Hi, Bola. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So, just as you said, my name is Sewa Ajay Pili. I'm a business strategist. I love working with female-led companies. I help those CEOs grow their companies by helping them create very, very targeted content strategy, as well as influencer strategies, because I believe that's a great way to grow your business online. Aside from what I do, I'm also a wife, a mom to two little girls, five and seven years old. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm always trying new things. I love to DIY, bake, all of the things. I currently have a veggie garden in my backyard. So if you want to talk about vegetable garden, I'm, I'm all about it.
0: <laughs> that is so cool. Okay. So a lot of people right now are focused on business. Obviously people are trying to bring in multiple streams of income, you know, with the pandemic going on, people are getting creative. And so before we kind of dive into the gist of the conversation, I'd love for everyone to learn a bit more about you. So why did you, how did you start your business and why the focus on establishing an online presence?
1: Okay. So I'll have to take you a little bit way back. I am the daughter of an immigrant family, right? So my family moved to the U.S. when I was 12 years old. And the focus was get into school and get out with a career that's going to pay you money because we've sacrificed a lot to get you to this point. Make us proud. Go. So we were plopped into an infrastructure that none of us knew how to operate in. So when I went to college, I just in the back of my mind, I thought I was gonna be a lawyer. My parents had always said, "My mom calls me Anokessie, so I'm from Ghana. So Anokessie in our in our native tongue means big mouth. The girl talks. So she figured you should be a lawyer. So my mindset all along was I was going to be a lawyer. And in high school, I had you know my little side job in high school, but I also went to the local university and got certified as a paralegal. So all through college, I worked at a law firm, and while other people were wait- waitressing. I was working at a law firm and I got to go see clients and draft briefs with the attorney and all of that. Um, So really I thought that's where I was going. And I went as far as to go to France for a year and intern for the Council of Europe and the European Court of Human Rights. And I saw people at the pinnacle of what I wanted to do and thought, I don't want to do this. So I came back and I thought, who's hiring? And Goldman Sachs happened to be hiring. I knew nothing about who they were. And I happened to stumble into one of the most prestigious firms on Wall Street. So I figured I'd gotten a great job. I was going to stick with that company forever. My parents were like, yes, you're making good money. Um, And I was there for about 10 years. I worked with them in Singapore in Dallas, where I live now, as well as in Salt Lake City, but I would say about six years into my career, I started to have side hustles within the company. So I was very much an entrepreneur, which meant I was allowed to explore a little bit and help to spark off new initiatives. And one of the initiatives I worked on was our 10,000 Small Businesses Initiative, which is a little bit of an accelerator the company had that Brought on, their goal was to bring on 10,000 small businesses and help them start and thrive. So I was one of the people on the selection committee. I was one of the people who coached the businesses. And that is where I started to get a love for small businesses and, and, in particular, the women within the small businesses, because I just felt like there was a difference between the women and the men that we were seeing come through the program. And I really wanted to pour into them full time. However, I had a full-time job already. And so I started to think about how can I make this happen? So fast forward, I decided to go get my MBA at Cornell because that's just the thing you do when you're going along that path. You're at an investment bank, you want to go to the next level, MBA. So what I thought I was going to use to turn or to take my career to the next level actually turned into my gateway into entrepreneurship because I ended up being immersed into the entrepreneur space there i met a professor who was already uh, coaching different startups and she said you can do this you have some great ideas why don't you go out and implement it and really given the fact that i was able to build a community around me that was so supportive and a network that was so supportive i decided i'm just going to do this it's something that had already been in the back of my mind and I now had the skill, I now had the network, the know-how of having done it on Wall Street for a big company and used their resources to pour into other companies. I just felt like I was ready to take the lead. So that's how I then went out on my own and became a business strategy consultant because I I was just very poised to do that. Now, the second part of your question about the online presence side of things, I didn't have one because I just felt like when you're working for a prominent company, there are a lot of things that are difficult to do. It's difficult to go out on your own when you're not a very senior level executive and be on a talking circuit or be on people's podcasts. I just didn't feel like I could go out in the way that I wanted to be out there. So I started from ground zero when it came to starting an online presence. However, given the impact I wanted to have, It it was going to be a crucial part of my journey, and I'm happy to talk more about that with you today.
0: So that is quite the interesting story. And I love that as you navigated, you know, starting, well, not becoming a lawyer, <laughs> seeing you didn't want to be one, starting working for um, Goldman Sachs and just realizing, um, you know, you wanted to do your own thing that you're able to follow your your passion and you were fortunate to be able to get the skills as you were working with the 10,000 small business program, which is such an incredible program. Clever Girl Finance did that program a couple of years ago, and it was a really, really great experience. Um, we did that in New York. So so um, I would like to know, you know, well, right now with the pandemic, anyone who's starting a business, um, whether they had ideas of brick and mortar in the past, is really having to focus on having an online presence. And for existing business owners um, who did not have an online presence, that is essentially now key core priority. So given your experience helping businesses get started and focus specifically on having an online presence and using that online presence to grow market scale their business, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see business owners going through when it comes to establishing their online presence and even some of the fears that they experience going through the process?
1: Okay, so I would say top 3, I don't know where to start which I think is something that people say with almost anything. The second thing is I don't want to be the face, right? I don't want to be seen. And the third thing is I don't know what to say. So once I'm online, what do I need to say in order to get people to take the action that I need them to take? So to fear number one, I would say start with where you are do anything so whatever you were doing if you were a brick and mortar business that that's now focused online whatever you were doing to make your customers feel at home within your store start by doing that online. If you would say hello to them and you had a special greeting, perhaps then you start to do Facebook or Instagram lives where you introduce them to your brand and you say hello to them every morning in the way that you did within your store. So try to bring in some of the same things that you saw working in the brick and mortar space onto the online space. That is a start. Then we can talk about what can be most effective within the digital space. So the second, I would say fear of not wanting to be the face of your, of your business, I would say a little bit of tough luck there because if you were a mom and pop shop who do people see when they walked in? They probably saw your managers and perhaps now the managers that your brick and mortar customers were used to should now also make an appearance on your online presence, or maybe you as the owner should make an appearance. But we can also talk about different ways that you can do that in order to make you more comfortable. But I would say within the same vein of translating the things you did in the physical space, do that online. Let people see the faces that they're used to seeing. And the third thing about not knowing what to say, I would say is probably a little bit more of a nuanced conversation because people respond differently to different prompts in the online space. So first I would say tell your story, reintroduce people to who you are because people get drawn into an individual. And after all is said and done, especially maybe with this conversation we're having today, people will probably latch on to different pieces of my story, whether it's I spent a year in France thinking I wanted to be a lawyer and decided not to and tripped into Goldman Sachs. I mean, they will pick on and latch on to pieces of my story. So start there, tell your story Share things about who you are, because people will remember if you are someone who sells watches online, but you've told a story about how your grandfather used to be a watch fixer in the old country, whatever. People will latch onto that story and remember that she has a history in this space, therefore her watches must be good. Give people a story to latch onto. Secondly, I would say let people know what you can do for them. This isn't about you. This isn't about being a peacock and flaunting your feathers online, but it's about the people who you want to serve. So let them know what can you do for them? Why should they stop at your online space? Because ultimately that is what's going to convert your customers online is if they have a story to latch onto and if they know what it is you can do for them in the long run.
0: So that's all really great advice, Soa. And, um, you know, a lot of what you've said has to do with you as the individual. So saying hello to them the way you would say hello if they walked into your brick and mortar store or um, telling your personal story to engage your audience and attract them to your brand and your business. But what other ways can you go about marketing and promoting your business without being the perpetual face of your brand? Because I know that the idea of being the face of your brand, the idea of always having to look camera ready to. do now there's so many things there's like the reels the lives the (laughs) videos there's all kinds of things that require your face to be involved Mm -hmm. and not everybody um, is excited to do that people are introverts people are afraid there's all you have to build up to this stuff right so what are some ways that you can promote market your brand without being the constant perpetual face (laughs) of the business
1: Yes. And this is a conversation I continually have with my clients because some of them just don't want to do it. And as I said, that's a place to start. So the evolution looks like this start by introducing yourself as the person behind the brand, then move on to maybe telling the story of who your brand is because your brand has a persona. You, the brand itself, becomes a living and breathing person that people start to associate themselves with or um, have loyalty to. So you could tell us about your brand, but ultimately, if you don't want to be the face, I think there are three things that you can use instead. The first is user-generated content. So if you are someone who is a product-based business, for example, and people are wearing your watches or your shoes, whatever it may be, feature them on your online space because it not only helps other people who happen along your brand get gain a little bit more confidence in who you are and the fact that you can deliver the goods, but it also gives you a way to tell your story through your ideal customer, because they tell they sh- not only show people your products and market them in that way, but also tell us what about your product that they like in their own words. So that's user um, user generated content. Um, on the service based side, I think that shows more so uh, in the form of testimonials, where people are letting you know that they worked with you and they used your service, and these were the outcomes and On the service-based side, it may be a little bit more difficult to get those testimonials because depending on the service that you provide, it may be confidential and they may not want to share that they came to you for assistance with something that's very personal. So you may have to get creative about how it is you leverage that kind of user-generated content, but that's number one. Number two, I think I mentioned on the brick and mortar side that you could perhaps feature the managers that are the everyday front lines of your business. In the virtual space, you could do that as well because most people are not a team or business of one. You may start that way, but you probably aren't going to stay that way for very long if you want to be successful and not burn out. So I would encourage you to leverage members of your team because once again, being able to show the behind the scenes, the inner workings of your business helps also to help people feel like they know who you are. It helps people feel like they're a part of your story. So you could bring your team to the forefront and allow them to share snippets of how of what it is that they're contributing to the brand that you have. So Number one, I think you will need to start being mindful about who you are hiring because if you're thinking about also allowing them to be part of the face of your business, you will need to make sure that they're capable of doing that. And that's a part of the job description that you put out there when you're hiring people. So I love to make things concrete with examples. So think about your Pelotons, for example. Peloton is a brand. We They're very well known in the exercise fitness, home fitness space. However, they also pride themselves on having fitness instructors that have become fitness gurus and that have strong followings. So people will say, I swear by Pollyann's class, that's the only class I ride because now Pel- Peloton has a partnership with Beyonce, for example, and she's the one who's always going to have the Beyonce music. So you start to turn your people into the, the the rock stars that your clients want to follow and i would say that's a very ideal situation to be in so that was number 2 is really leverage your team members and number 3 is leverage your vendors so depending on what it is you're doing once again it takes a village to make things happen so if you are someone who has let's say a um i love to follow people who are arts and crafty planner type people. So if you are a planner based company and you, you leverage vendors in order to do what you're doing, perhaps you feature the vendors because it's a good way to build community and let them know that it takes a lot of people to make what you're doing possible. And they can see more of the behind the scenes of that. And it can be a very collaborative effort because it's now one business working with another to share their, their shared vision.
0: Those are such great tips, and I love them. I love the idea of being able to see behind the scenes, see the journey, see the process, and not necessarily having your face involved with that, but just showcasing how your products, your services are evolving, um, showcasing your team, showcasing the vendors or partners that you work with. I think that is so great. And sometimes, you know, when you showcase those things, it helps build reputation around your products and services. It helps create that deeper connection between you and your brand and your ideal or potential customers or clients and so Mm -hmm. you know I agree you don't constantly have to be the perpetual face of your business even Mm -hmm. showcasing testimonies or giving your giving your customers or your clients um, the stage to be on your platform and showcase their experience if they don't mind is Mm -hmm. also a really great way to help establish your online presence and so um, I ask that because a lot of people you know they're trying to start businesses. They have to be online, especially right now with all the lockdowns and just the future of business. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they find themselves in this standstill because, oh my God, I have to be, my face has to be there and it can be nerve wracking and overwhelming for people and it just keeps them stuck. So those are some really great tips. So the next question I want to ask you is around knowing what having an online presence entails. So there's this whole trend that I see so often where people think that their online presence, their whole business, starts and ends with Instagram. For example, well, for the most part, Instagram. Your Instagram is your website. It's your sales page. It's your everything. Uh, but there's more to much more to establishing an online presence than just having an Instagram account. So I'd love for you to clarify in more detail um, about this.
1: Wow. I think it is extremely dangerous to build your entire business on someone else's platform because we've seen how Instagram, being a business in itself, is constantly evolving. They're constantly trying to serve the needs of their clients, which isn't always going to be the businesses. So I would caution you against doing that. But when you think about having an online presence, I like to liken it to a book. Think about your online presence as chapters in a book in an online space. However, you need to strategically place those chapters in places where the people you're trying to reach are going to find them. And it might not always be on Instagram. If your ideal client, I have friends who are in a similar age group as I am that don't do Instagram. So if you're not on Facebook, if it's not on Facebook, they're not going to see it. So you may need to think about that. So it's where can you put crumbs of your story of your book that is Clever Girl, Girl Finance online in places that are strategically placed so that your people can find them How do you tell your story in a compelling way that in the online space gets people to stop and then take whatever action you're trying to get them to take?
0: That is so important. Like having your crumbs. I love that word, <laughs> leaving crumbs around so people can find you. And, you know, again, I, like you, I'm not a fan of having your whole business on somebody else's platform. What happens if Instagram shuts down, they change their policy, yeah. etc. You know, it's important to have your own home base, your website, where you control, you know, your, uh, you control your, your content, you own the audience, you own your email list. And if anything changes on these, um, different, platforms people can still go on Google and type in your website and find you, right? Regardless of what's happening on all these other platforms that you don't own. So it's so important. I've seen so many businesses on Instagram. They don't have a website. All they have is a PayPal link or an Instagram (laughs) Instagram shop. And they're making money right now. But I will challenge Mm -hmm. you as you think about the short-term revenue gains in your business, Mm -hmm. also think long-term and think about growth and think about Mm -hmm. your future and think about the fact that platforms changed not too long ago, we were all like popping on Snapchat. Now it's TikTok. Right. There was Hi-Fi. There was Friendster. There was all kinds of different platforms, right? And so these platforms will continue to evolve. There's always going to be another platform every few years that's trending, right? Mm-hmm. That you're going to have to figure out, build audiences on. But platforms also close down. So having your own website and then leaving your crumbs, as Tela said, everywhere Yeah, <laughs> for me is a good plan to not just protect your business but just you know just establish your your start to build your audience and establish your growth that way
1: yeah i think the next question a lot of people ask me has to do with okay so how do i set up this online presence and i like to think about it as an inverted pyramid and at that top of the inverted pyramid is going to be your long form content. This is the meaty substantial content that's going to take you probably a long time to create, but it also has um, the ability to transform and take your audience on a journey from point A to point B. So think about that as perhaps your blog content that you're creating on your website that you own. Think about it as perhaps YouTube videos that you're creating. That's part of, YouTube is owned by Google. That's you know SEO friendly, it's very searchable and has been around for a long time. They don't tend to change their platform su- substantially. So that's probably gonna be your next best bet. Um, podcast content, you own that audio content and you host it wherever you please. So think about that longer form content as the top, and then think about some of the other platforms as a place for you to market and publicize the content that you already have. So you can splice and repurpose and clip out you know, whatever you want to clip out from that very top rung of your content and push it to Twitter as a great quote that you've taken from your, your blog post or a snippet, you can put that on Instagram, for example. So repurpose your long-form content on other platforms and you can use your Instagram to push people back to your content where then they can take whatever action you're trying to get them to take on that initial long-form piece of content. So you have to be strategic about where you are placing those breadcrumbs so that they work for you and you don't work for it. Because I think Bala, you and I have talked about how sometimes there's a very short cycle on platforms like Instagram. Instagram is probably 24 to 48 hours. And by then people have forgotten about your content. Twitter is even less time. If something is trending, your tweet just gets buried in the barrage of tweets about that, that subject line. So you want to think about, am I starting my content creation process in the right way?
0: That makes total sense. And the people will say, you know what, I'm not going to blog. I don't know how to blog, but you can still create content, right? Starting with, do you have a service description that highlights why your service is so amazing? What it is? How it helps your clients? Are your product descriptions super clear and concise so that if someone goes to search for your products, you potentially come up? Start there, and those are yep. all content that you can take and divvy up and put on these other platforms to showcase your products and services even more. So don't get, don't get discouraged if you hear people say write a blog post. Right? You may not <laughs> you may have a hundred products and not time to write blog posts all the time. But are your product descriptions detailed, clear, showcasing Mm -hmm. testimonials, showcasing as much information, your service descriptions detailed, showcasing how you help your customers, what your services do. So important. There's so many times I've gone on a site and there's a product and the description is just so light. I'm like if I buy this, I don't even know what I'm getting. And I I go, I leave. Right. And that's an opportunity lost. And the same applies to a service. So make sure that you are making the effort to create that content there. That's really important. In addition to the tips that, um, provided as well. Mm -hmm. So I have another question for you regarding just everything that we're navigating right now. Right. Um, a lot of business owners getting started or struggling through the pandemic or trying to pivot, what key advice would you give anyone navigating their online business right now in this season?
1: Play the long game. I think if you are someone who's prone to wanting to jump on the bandwagon of what seems to be the coolest thing to do right now, this pandemic probably impacted you severely. Um, When I say play the long game. I mean, have a five or 10-year goal that you're working towards. Have a one-year goal that you're working towards. And you don't necessarily need to script out how you're going to get there because things happen. But the pivot is in the approach. The pivot doesn't necessarily need to be in the end game, right? So that's what I like to encourage people is if you know where you're going, no matter what blockades come up in your path, you figure out how you're gonna jump over them as you work towards where you're trying to go. So if you're a new business owner now, your why, this is so cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Your why is going to be vital. Why are you starting this business? What are you trying to accomplish with it? What is your message to the world? Everything else is peripheral. You can figure out how you're going to do that, but know your why when you're first starting. And once you know your why, you know where you're trying to reach, work with someone to figure out how you're going to do that. And no matter what circumstances are gonna come up, you can you can navigate them, you can figure it out.
0: I love that you said the pivot is in the approach, right? A lot of people think about pivot as the end of, okay, I do all these things and then the end game I've pivoted, but it's really in the approach as to how you do things and how you make the changes and how you navigate through the situation. That's so, so, so key. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a finance person, I would definitely encourage people going through this season to lay down the numbers and see where in your business that you can scale back on or cut back. Um, A lot of business owners, especially new business owners, tend to fall for the shiny object syndrome. What's the next shiny thing? The next thing I can put in my office, I can add to my product. And those things are great, but if you are navigating a difficult season, you're trying to manage your finances, really go back to your drawing board and say, okay, what are the products that are selling or my customers are asking most about or the services that are doing well? And just cut all the fat. (laughs) really, and start to focus on that, to generate revenue, to get you through this season. That is so, so important.
1: And not just for this season, this is something I encourage clients I work with to do on an annual basis is just ongoing, yep. Ongoing, mark yourself to market, see what's working, not only for your products, but also in this world where we have so many uh, services so software as a service is so accessible for to business owners. So before you know it, you've you've paid for this five dollar a month service and this ten dollar a month. <laughs> I I mean before you know it, you could be paying thousand dollars in services that you are not even using. So I encourage people as a part of their year end checklist to go through their their statement and see those recurring um those recurring hits that you're taking. Are they for services that you even need anymore? Because it might be part of that shiny object syndrome where people are saying, I'm using this app and it works well for me. You go and subscribe, you've forgotten about it. It's charging you month after month, but you're not even using it, right? So trim the fat wherever you can identifying the true costs to not just create your product and
0: service, but also to deliver it. Right. And there's some costs that you cannot trim because you need them, but other alternatives that will do the same thing as well, or even better that you can leverage. And are there just some things that you're using that are just absolutely zero return, Great. on spend, right? <laughs> you want to look out for those things too. Um, so, so this has been so great. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us. Um, a lot of people, like I mentioned, have been asking Clevero Finance questions about online business, wanting to start a business, want to, wanting to establish a presence, and you've given some really concrete tips. So if you tuned into this and you need to listen to this episode again with your notebook and strategize and Think through the ideas that Sewa has shared, definitely do that and share this episode with your other fellow entrepreneurs. Um, so Sewa, before I let you go, I have to ask you, what is your Clever Girl superpower?
1: My Clever Girl superpower is I will try anything. I am the friend, the family member who is the person who will try new things and bring it back. But when the, my thing is when I try those new things, I will execute it to death. I am that person is no stone left unturned. I will go out, I'll find new things and I'm the one who brings it to people, which is why I think it was very easy for me to start a podcast because I love to share new things that other people are doing that are very successful for them.
0: That is so cool. So, would you describe yourself
1: as a risk taker? (laughs) I'm a calculated risk taker. Yes, that's good.
0: (laughs) So, thank you so much for being here. You have to tell everyone where to find you about your podcast, about your website, your Instagram. Please share all of that good information.
1: Absolutely. So, most people typically find me through my She's Off Script podcast. And this is my podcast where I share the journeys of women who are creating, who have created unique blueprints for success. So every Thursday we drop a new episode. You can find me on my website everything, you know, drives out of my website jpele.com, where as a free gift to your, your listeners. If any of you are new to the online space and you're trying to figure out how do I start to build an online presence, I have a guide to building an online presence that you can download at seyjpele.com. It's right on the home page, um, And that is something that can help you get started on your way to creating a personal brand online.
0: Thank you so much, Soa. I'm be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I appreciate you for being here, for sharing all of your knowledge with us.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.